Hey now, welcome to the City Off Campus podcast with your two favorite hosts, Sammy Summerfeld and Jack McFarland. Jack, you recently came back from a little trip down to Texas. How was that? I mean, it was the first time I was able to see the White Sox play this year. It was Giolito's second start of uh, since he'd come back from injury and he was dog ass. Um, they got pumped and... You know, it ended up being a 13 to three loss, I think it was, but we ended up leaving when it was, uh, we were going to the bars, but the, it was like bases juiced. Uh, they were taking Geo out. I think they put Lopez in or maybe Matt Foster. And then they, someone hit a grand slam. It was Brantley. And I'm like, wow, I'm glad we got out of there. Um, Cause that was, I, there were these one guys. They were just like yapping at us, two rows in front of us, these two Astro fans, a father and a son, but the son was like 24. I'm going to call him 24. He had longer hair, um, looked like he had like arm tattoos. Like he he just, I judged him very hard from that appearance right there. And he was wearing a um, Jeremy Pena jersey, I believe, their new shortstop. So he was yapping back and forth before the game started. He was trying to make a bet with me and my friends, like on the game, just make a bet. Okay. Okay. No, I'm not making a freaking bet. Cause like anytime like they go down or if I try to leave early, then that guy's jumping my ass. Like no chance I'm making a bet. And plus I didn't want to like spend my money on that. I want to go get hammered yeah. like an hour. Right. So they go up three, nothing, whatever, easy runs, like double bad throw by Vaughn, this, that, and the other. It gets to three nothing, and then Pollock comes up two on. He hits a home run, and this guy's like he he like stands up, turns to us, and, and starts clapping. And he's like, "Good job, good job, guys!" Like really proud. <laughs> and I looked at him and I go, "Dude, I don't know who you're clapping for. Like, I'm not on the team. You look like a clown." And I was just like, "This is." I hate when people try to take it a little too serious. Like I want to enjoy. Well, it's like when I went to Northwestern, the teenager chirped us. Remember? I just, it it can't, you can never have that moment when you're at someone else's house because they're always like, Ooh, I'm going to be like the big swinging dick. It's like, dude, chill out. Like it's, it's a baseball game. You look like you haven't swung a bat in your life to begin with. So it's like, don't do do you think, do you think he was that guy who like was one of those fans who bought the Jersey at the stadium game, like the day of the game? Okay, so I actually have a weird theory about just jerseys in Houston in general, because I really think they either give away or they discount them like a fuck ton because everybody in Houston had an orange Astros jersey. It was <laughs> insane. I was never... it an orange out? Was it like a theme? No, no, I don't think it was. Like it was <sighs> I mean, they might have wore orange, but like orange is a pretty primary uniform for them anyway. They were just, I'm not lying. Everywhere we went, orange Astro jerseys. And there was one bar we tried to go into in Houston after the game, okay, day of the game. And we were trying to get in and the guy was like, we can't let you in with the jerseys. And we were all wearing like a Breu, Moncada, Anderson, Robert jerseys, whatever. Very basic, yeah. Obviously. Um, and one of my buddies is wearing a Mark Burley classic. I mean, I bet those Astro fans were shivering seeing Mark Burley back in Houston. He oh, was yeah. hammered the Definitely. last time he was there. Anyway, uh, we go to a bar and the bouncer's like, you can't get in with the jerseys. And I like, I'm like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? Like not bro. It's not like they're a real sports town. It's well, Houston. Oh, here's like... the thing. It's not like the shorts or the chains or the hats were the reason we couldn't get into your bar. It was the jerseys. 
whatever. We heckled with the guy a little and he realized we weren't from Houston. We were from Chicago. And so he let us in because we were just bickering, bantering news. People don't do that. And I'm just yeah, like, he I, picked the wrong group of people to say that to. Yeah, we were not going to take no for an answer. And so we got in, I'm not lying, within five minutes, I saw like four or five fucking Houston Astros jerseys like walking up in the in the bar, like to the second floor. And I was sick to my stomach. So it, here's Some the best. would have welcomed you in with open arms. Just well, saying. yeah, I mean, because they were playing day off. Like that's like, I tried to use that too. I was like, they're playing. <laughs> like they played today. You know, it's not like they didn't play. <laughs> Summit rolls down in Houston. Right. You know, I'm trying here. Um, but the best part was a handful of my buddies went and bought cowboy hats. And Houston's not oh, really a cowboy hat place. Yeah. It's not like we're in Dallas or Arlington. Dallas, or, yeah. Okay, so we're in Houston, and they bought cowboy hats, and three of the four bought um, black, like, brown, black, velt, like, thicker cowboy hats, like, something you wear in, like, the fall, maybe the winter. I had one friend. More of a Nashville type of hat? Well, maybe more something, like, you don't buy in the middle of June in, like, 95-degree heat, and then I had one buddy who that bought, like, a whiter – it wasn't straw, but it was, like, a thinner texture hat – and he was like the only one that was like on on brand or like wearing what he should should be wearing. And everyone else apparently right. looked like a tourist. And he's the number one kid that we all bag on. So it was just fitting that he <laughs> somehow picked the right cowboy hat for like what we were doing. Everyone else, like I'm not lying, they got shredded by some locals, just shredded up for their hats. Oh, I oh, I don't think there's a single hat I saw outside of them. Truly. I don't think so. Were so. you the guy in boots? <laughs> no, I didn't get a hat or boots. Fuck no, <laughs> dude. It was ninety five hundred. No, I'm not doing that. Not that. So, what, so, so what were your thoughts on the stadium? So it's it's like a surprisingly when you walk inside of it, it's tight in terms of like it doesn't feel like there's a gi- it's gigantic like walking area. Like it's very it, it's very tight. Like there's just a lot of like you're on top of each other almost, but the fact that they can hold 40,000 people. And I mean, we were walking, um, when we walked into the stadium, we were walking like underneath and behind the train tracks kind of. And like, we walked around that way. Um, and so like we saw a good area. I mean, they have a ton of barbecue and good food options, but dude, the beers there were generously priced at 16 to $18. (laughs) Wow, we're not kidding. That was incredible to figure out that they had 18. Like, we ordered two Michelobes or something, and it was like $18 or no, like $18. No, 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 $18. It was $36 total. And then we were like, what? Like, that it's 18 fucking dollars a beer. But we thought about like getting, they were rinsing you. They had this like Crawfordsville or something beer, like some like the Crawford's dog, like something with Crawford is like this Houston on brand thing. Like the Crawford's dog Mm. had like brisket on the hot dog and it just whatever. And they had this like Crawford's beer. I didn't have it, but I wonder if it was like marked down compared to the other beers just to incentivize you to try it and like just try it. I didn't know. But yeah, uh, the most ridiculous priced beer I have ever seen in my life. It wasn't even you a should, big cup. wasn't a big cup. Oh, uh, you should ask for a kettle light. It, it's what is that? A kettle light? You didn't hear about that? No. Kittle has his own Bud Light now. No. What? Sick. Yeah. He, yeah. He he's sponsored by him. He, his face yeah, is on the sponsor. can. And everything. That's awesome. Dope. 
Oh, yeah. whoa. So is it like, is it in... I don't know if it's like a specialty okay. beer, but I just know it's Kittle Light. It's dope. I don't know if they just got him like his own case of it and they're like, here you go, Kittle. I would, I would pay for that. Yeah, you should ask for a Kittle Light. But speaking of the Houston Astros too, former number one draft pick, Mark Athel at age 30 is making his MLB debut. So, Dude, he, I never thought I'd see the time where he'd actually do it because he got drafted right before Chris Bryant. Apple, 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 I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I've heard it every way. Dude, that guy was drafted, what, top five twice? He, yeah. It, twice. Yeah. It said no both times. Goes to, like, what, Stanford, gets hurt, and now he's 30 making his pro debut. Like they, Well, he got drafted first overall by Houston, and the, he took it. I thought he it was no, it was 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when it happened. He either got drafted way, to the Pirates. The guy got hurt. Okay. And now he's like back. I want the 30 for 30. Like I want oh, this for story. Sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. And um, well, speaking of 30 for 32, there's the Ravens um 2000 team getting a 30 for 30. What? And I got yeah, been out of the loop. You didn't know about that? No. And so they so a month ago they like all got together to film it or whatever. And, you know, now Tony Saragusa Goose passed away. Dude, he was the best on Fox on the NFL game days. Like, dude, that guy had personality. He's like the OG Hard Knocks character. And they announced he passed away the same day that one of the other – one of the current Ravens Taylor Ferguson, died. the yeah, leading NCAA sack leader. People forget. Really? Yep. At, at Louisiana Tech. Leads the NCAA of all time in career sacks. Oh, that doesn't count then. Louisiana what? Tech. That doesn't all right, count. all right. Go get, go get. Like what? Forty? What was it forty? Like eight? Forty nine sacks? I mean, it's it's not easy. Uh, Louisiana Tech. I mean, you play one tough game a year. You play one SEC <laughs> team, and hey, then hey, you have a cake hey, schedule. This cat, this cat, God rest his soul, was still drafted like third or fourth round. I mean. I don't expect him to be like a first round pick out of Louisiana tech, but can't take that record from him until, I mean, I sure hope it doesn't turn out to be like the, the, uh, was it the Samaj P Ryan record where he gets the record at Oklahoma for rushing yards. And then was it Melvin Gordon just comes mm-hmm. out of left field and takes it like the next day. Yeah. <laughs> I sure and hope not. Speaking of college football though, too, there was some awesome news that came out the other day. Arch Manning made his decision. Now, my first question with you about Arch Manning is, do you think he's an overrated prospect because there's Manning on the back, yes. or do you think he's as good? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I And watched... speaking of Manning camp, Petrus is training right now. He's getting tutored by the Mannings right now. Tony Raz has been posting. You know, it kind of hurts me to hear that because if there was any quarterback to compare mobility with Spencer Petrus, it would be like Peyton Manning. And that's just whatever. Like, if you you think you got the arm, like, here's the – like, Peyton Manning was, like, okay in college. He was good. Then he was shitty his first year in the NFL. It's he was like, great in college. What are you talking about? I mean, Petrus, it's like, if we're going to try and sit here and make comparisons, it's like, dude, he's fucking – I hope he just stays so far away from Peyton Manning. Like, he has no business hanging out there doing anything like that. I would welcome him on the show and talk about that. And I would maybe say it to his face. It's like, bro, come on. Like, you have got a career – after football it's got one say it to his face don't say it on the podcast i would say like it can't he can't you be better be able to say it to his face he can't be started again but point being um back to arch i've watched like 
his high school highlights just a little. And it's like, dude, he played against like JV style kid. Like they looked like dog ass. Yeah, it's private school. Terrible, terrible league. Wasn't good to watch. OBJ went there too. Were... I don't know. You know, I I think the book's out. I think it's an interesting thing though that do you know the name? Um the quarterback, like the best. Yeah, ever. Quinn Ewers. Okay, Quinn Ewers. I couldn't remember his name. He's apparently the greatest college football recruit that's ever lived. Him and than, Vince Young. I was him about to say, Young yeah, are yeah. Tied. He's tied. Texas has gotten all of them. Tied. All three of them are tied. Him, Arch, and tied Vince. with the guy Vince Young, who beat one, two, three Heisman finalists by himself at the Rose Bowl. I don't want to fucking hear this tied shit. Like I hate that Quinn. This guy. Oh my god. I even what he's made a million dollars off NIL already. But here's the thing with Arch and that kid Quinn. Quinn's the so-called biggest fucking recruit ever. Everybody's a placeholder. Ev- but hold on, everybody's doubting this man and kid Arch already because it's like they've seen him play against dog ass competition. They don't believe in him because he's a Manning. How can you doubt or dispute anything about him if he takes this kid's spot day one? You know? Oh yeah, that's no, well, what dude, I think is saying, why he made that. Everybody's decision. saying. I think that's why he made it, and I love he, that because that's dog. He's got a lot of dog. Cool, in him if that's that the case. he's bringing them into the SEC. Then on top of that, in one, he doesn't care about NIL. I, mean, I forgot about that completely. He's bringing them in the but, SEC. That's a totally yeah. different era. Like, wow. like think about, like think about the Mannings are royalty in college football, but they're like even higher level in SEC football ranks. And basically, their whole thing, like people have made theories that Texas joined the SEC because they wanted to get Arch Manning, which is like hilarious, but. <laughs> Think about if Arch Manning brings them into the SEC and they just dominate, like, coming in. Like, he just brings them in. That's a legacy thing right there that no one can, like, match. Like, bringing a team first year in the SEC and just tear it up after Texas right now is a 5-7 and seven football team in the Big 12. But yeah. the other thing that's crazy is, like, right now he made his announcement at such a good time. Because it changes the recruiting game for Texas. Now, when you're competing with Bama, Texas A&M, some of these other big recruiters, Georgia, when they're trying to get the wide receiver, running back talent, offensive line talent to come there, they're going to be like, do you want to play with this QB who's number three or four to Arch? Or you want to play with the Arch Manning, who's you know part of the Manning QB yeah. like you know lineage? Like, he's going to be the guy. It's going to be like NFL free agency for Texas. Like, he, Arch is going to be the recruiter who tops, you know, Sarkeesian and all these other coaches to get that talent there. It's going to be so interesting to see who they land. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I'm sure some offshore betting site has already put the odds out on which quarterback's going to transfer out. I would love to well, see. Well, everybody's saying Quinn's transferring. Everybody says Quinn's transferring. But what's going to happen is Arch has another year of high school. So Quinn's going to probably start this year is my guess. Mm-hmm. He'll play a year. And then if they have the balls to be like, Quinn, you have, you can be quarterback for two years so you can get drafted as a junior, like, you know, and then Arch takes over as a sophomore, but nobody sees that happening. Everybody thinks Quinn will be there for a year, transfer out and Arch will start day one. I know. I just, I, I don't even feel like Arch is ready to start day one, you know, but that's just like such a casual oh, I couch potato. So, yeah. Answer. But storyline wise, I want to see it so bad. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, especially like, when they're I, like, I want him to get Trevor Lawrence hype of like Trevor started day one, 
you know, just hit the ground Who, running. Who's the quarterback in Oklahoma? Didn't um, Caleb Williams they leave? Have the, yeah, they have the kid from um, – oh, where where's the kid from? It's a transfer. He was a big-time transfer. UCF? You keep, no. You keep filibustering because I, I, I have to I have to ask that because I think it would be – I just think it would be an awesome storyline if if one of them – is it Dylan Oklahoma, Gabriel? Yeah, Dylan, Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, if, from UCF. Yeah, I called it right. If if one of them went to Oklahoma, I mean, they could easily take Dylan Gabriel his spot. I mean, isn't he? No, I'm thinking of Mackenzie Milton. That's the kid that broke yeah. his leg, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, pray yeah, for Mackenzie." Yeah. And then he played at FSU. Yeah, right. Dylan Gabriel. Right. Okay. Now I got the. Okay, got it. Either. I mean, I think that they could make that storyline even juicier one Manning or I don't think Manning leaves Texas. I think that there was too much money lining that pocket to get him there that, yeah, there is. Well, no, well, no, it wasn't that like, dude, the thing that's been so fascinating about Arch's recruitment was it was a super traditional recruitment from like 20 years ago. Like this is some like 1990s soap opera Disney movie where you got fucking rooted the right way. Well, no, here's what happened though. Like, he didn't do any of the social media buzz. He like everybody was joking about like some of my friends are joking about how he's the only kid who's a five star who didn't do a tipped and edit like type of announcement. Like he just did a picture of himself in Texas gear and posted it, and that was it. It was all natural, is what everybody's been, you know, so like fascinated about because it's no like you know hat selection or anything. And Peyton Manning's been on the record saying like the hat stuff is so stupid. He thinks the theatrics of recruitment is just so over the top and you know steve sarkeesian what the interesting thing about texas landing him is sarkeesian was the only offensive-minded coach like lane kiffin is too who was really recruiting him from these top schools like you look at bama saban's a defensive guy you look at georgia smart's a defensive guy you know like clemson they couldn't really even be considered like they were in the mix but their acc he was never going there what well, do you think so it's like really on, i have to stop you really quick do you think brian ference gave a decent pitch at all or not like what do you think he's he honestly leads with when he talks to arch Manning? come here and you'll get to hand off the ball as much as you want you'll throw a five-yard hitch uh to yeah. the to the field it might get picked off but it'll be your fault not mine not play design it'll yep. be your fault 100 percent. but the other thing with sarkeesian is he ran a pro style offense when he was OC at Alabama with Saban. Like that's what Mac Jones thrived in. He learned a whole lot. I mean, man, I mean, he kind of had to, you know, I mean, I feel like Sarkeesian's a good enough coach to where he could like build around a guy like Bryce Young or even then Mac Jones, like Mac Jones had to, I mean, the guy couldn't really move. He had cinder blocks for feet. Granted, he looks like a pocket, but but it's what what helped build the foundation for when he landed in new England. Well, yeah. I mean, he also coached up to both times. Sarkeesian coached up Lenard too, or Lenard out of um, USC. Lenard. That's a, that's a one. Lenard. Lenard. Yeah. Whatever. I forget. And then, um, you know, he's just had this tradition though, of like, you know, coaching all these great college quarterbacks. So it's just, he really got to stand out. I think in that way too, of like, you know, actually developing you know arch i i just uh, i don't know I, I i guess that's more when you put it like that it's more of a development than a winning type decision from arch like it's like yeah you'll win a little at texas how much though i don't know but like i feel like 
with Sark. You it's just, more for him to make his mark yeah. in college football. If he's going to Bama or to no, Georgia, I feel like he's still trying to make his shoot, mark no. as later in college football. I think like yeah, you're going to Texas. It was SEC or nothing. Like there was no chance he was going to go any conference otherwise. That's what I'm saying. But I think but I'm when saying you put it like that with Sark, he's helping build a program with Sark. I don't know if that I fuck building the program. I think Sark's just like, your best like option if you're a quarterback in the SEC. Like, what do you want to go play for Jimbo? Like, probably yeah, not. No, but no, but the thing is, like, he could have gone to like a Bama, played nah. for a guy like Bill O'Brien. Like, he could have done it if he really wanted to just yeah, be, like, be at the best program. Of course. Like, yeah. I don't, but like, I don't think there's anyone at like Florida. There's, I don't think there's anybody at, like Georgia, considering Florida. Well, I mean, like, Georgia. I mean, I'm thinking of every but... SEC school there is, and it's like at the end of the day. I think really, it, my guess is it came down to Ole Miss in Texas. I mean, yeah, when you have Lane Kiffin or Steve Sarkeesian, it's not about. I at that point don't think it's about winning. I think he's just trying to be like get the most he can out of his college coach and then go to the NFL because it's like. Who were the who were the freaking Manning coaches in in college? What, what, what's that freaking um, name? The guy that coached Daniel Jones. Yeah, Cutcliffe. Cutcliffe. Yeah, I mean they probably screamed inside of Arch's ear, and they were like, "Look, if you have a good coach in college, like that'll set you up. Period. Yeah. To like do something oh, for sure." So I think they really like now you put like Lane Kiffin or Sarkeesian. Like, yeah, I mean Matt Corral. Sarkeesian just he runs it like a yeah. NFL team which just makes it really interesting and then um the other thing in the news um switching out of college football is um you posted today michael beasley back in the big three (laughs) making his mark look i wish there wasn't a reality where mikey 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 michael beasley wasn't blackballed out of the nba like i just there has to be some reason that he wasn't in because He's getting I mean, that he's mellow 30 plus guy. Nah, dude, he could. I, I think he could fill like the role mellow fills way like efficiently, you know, like definitely. I mean, you're oh, telling Mel- me. I thought you meant LaMelo. I, no, no, no. Carmelo. Carmelo. Thank God. Yeah, only Mel- he's I the only. thought you were tweaking. Only mellow. LaMelo has not earned that right yet. But in terms of Beasley, like. Think about let, – let's play devil's advocate here. I mean, the NBA Finals just finished. Warriors won. Okay. Wiggins was awesome one of – series. Yeah, awesome Wiggins series. was one of the bigger down-low presences for the Warriors, like being a four, stretching, doing a three, fun things. But... He played a four for them, though. Like, he got blocks, rebounds. He, he did a lot underneath. Tell me Michael Beasley couldn't do that. They can answer that for me. I think Michael Beasley could do that. For no a, way, for Michael Beasley could have done it. Now, no way. I think he Maybe could do off it for the bench for five minutes a game when there's garbage time and they need a body on the floor. But there's no way Beasley could do what Wiggins did. He doesn't have the bounce. He doesn't have the athleticism. He doesn't have the shooting. He has nothing. Everybody's what are you talking about, about Michael Beasley? I, I guess and they're right. We're watching different guys because I Clearly. always. What do you no, see out of Michael? No, Beasley? I guess. I guess he's he, a guy that just looks at my Insta stories. That's what I see him as. He just you know, gives me the. I see Michael quick, Beasley as the tweet where it's like talent and recognition, and like he's okay. talent and recognition, but also down here next to the, like the recognition is like the hard work, and it's just not there. But he's got it. Like if that. I mean, man, he has the tattoos to prove he made money in the NBA. Right. <laughs> 
He does. Facts. But he, he made the investment in the art. I respect it. Yeah. And he's going to, I heard last, I heard bank. NFTs will be made of his sleeves. That is going to come soon. Ooh. Um, I made that up. You're Don't for sure buying. Oh, I thought you were buying that. <laughs> I made that up. But but also though, here's my question. In retrospect, 10 plus years after the 20 or 2008 draft, would you draft Rose first or Beasley first? Who would you pick? I was in a NBA draft. I'm gonna look it up. It was right the now, D Rose draft? I mean, I gotta have to say uh, D Rose. Obviously, Beasley was picked number two. How do you have to look that up? No, because I I want to look at the top ten. I always Westbrook like to look at the was top in that ten draft too. Right, you go. I mean, if you're gonna redraft right. this in order, Westbrook's two in my opinion. In order, this is going in order. This goes: Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook, OJ Mayo. Yeah, Michael so you Beasley, can't say Kevin you. Love. Like it has to no, go. Oh my way. god, that is cat. That is such cat. Michael Beasley is going after Love. Don't even start. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't see why. Factual. I don't. But when I speak about Cutler, I'm like rational about it. I look at. I look at the stats, right? I'm just. I. I. I stats guy. Um. Wow, Kevin! I look at Kevin Love's stats. Kevin Love does <laughs> have more rebounds and assists. I mean, he, he played more games. Points. He played more games. Listen, hold on. <laughs> yeah, because he had more talent. He played more games. <laughs> he played eight more minutes per game on average. Eight minutes. Like, that's – come on. That's not that much. <laughs> look, Michael Beasley shot the ball, like, 47% and Kevin loves a 40, 44%. I mean, from three Beasley's, I mean, Kevin loves got him beat just by like 2%, which what are you going to do? Makes Kevin, a difference. Here, I'll read their career stat lines all the way through and the people at home can make their decisions. Kevin loves 17 points, 10 rebounds to assess. Michael Beasley, who's a lefty, by the way, I think that's always key to bring up. I, it's tougher to defend. You're doing everything backwards. 12 and a half points, five rebounds, one and a half assists. So I, it's tougher to defend, but he plays worse. I also don't think <laughs> he was given. I don't know, but I don't think <laughs> he was given the opportunity. See, I think a lot of his problems were off the court and he could never get into that rhythm like he will now in the big three. But, so, he, so he was self-destructive. Probably. No, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like Jamarcus Russell. I didn't get to read that Players Tribune yet. Oh, you should have read to. it. It's so good. It's but so I bet good. I bet there's a little similarities in their lives where I think Michael Beasley just couldn't get it straight. And, I mean, he was probably doing some fuck shit. But, hey, what are you going to do? It's Michael Beasley. Um, I mean, you look deeper in this draft. Didn't know how to be a pro. Didn't let's, know how to be a pro. Let's see who the Bulls drafted second if they even had to pick that round. Sonny Weems. Remember that name? Yeah. No, I don't. Um, Balled out. Goran Dragic was a name we missed. Omer Sheik was drafted. Uh, Legend. Luke Mabamute. We got him in the Bulls jersey. DeAndre Jordan, Mario Chalmers. Oh, there's a lot of names in the second round. Yeah, it was a deep second round that year. Had a lot of NBA cards from that draft. It's a good no, one. Wait. Yeah, I would definitely still have to go D Rose, but I, I you, you go back and you look at the draft, See, you look at the stats. There we go. I, I, you literally just walked around the answer of, you're right. Michael Beasley is not better than Derrick Rose. So, would you rather? All right. Well, here this is the better that. question. I think this is not better, better than question. Love. He's not better than Westbrook. I think this is the better question. 
Not Russell Westbrook, not Kevin Love. I mean, that's just can't compare them. I'll take OJ Mayo over Beasley. Fuck, dude, that's where I was gonna go because I'm looking at their stats and they're pretty similar. But I would, I OJ had more success. He was, he was, dude. He beat Michael Jordan one on one. I mean, how old was Michael Jordan? And if Michael Beasley was given that opportunity, I think Mayo was like 15. He, dude, he was one of the best high school players people ever saw. So was Michael Beasley. People just don't talk about it enough. Like that's the. What was that Oak Hill? He was with KD. He, he was a part of that soft group of KD and all those other kids coming out of DC. You know, but that that actually leads to a good question. So, do you think KD leaves the Nets this year after Kyrie leaves? And do you think Kyrie's leaving? Bro, that's been and what do you think a, of all the drama? Such right a now? whirlwind. I can't even follow it. I have no idea what's come out. Drama who who started NBA. stirring it first? Who stirred it first? Kyrie. He said that he's, he's willing he's, to leave. He's trying to, he, well, he's trying to get a max contract, and the Nets are like, you played 27 games for us in the regular season. There's no way in hell we're giving you a max deal for you to walk all over us, and we still have to pay you. So he's threatening to all just right. pick up so his player option and demand a trade. Slowly, like, where do we think he even goes? Well, so he put together a list of are you Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dallas, Philly. Which everybody's laughing about Philly because him and Harden hate each other. So there's no way they're going to play together. He won't go and to Dallas because Luca needs the ball. So that's stupid. Well, he put he put Dallas, Philly, the Knicks, the Lakers, and somewhere else. And the only team interested is the Lakers, of course. But the most they can pay him is $6 million bucks. So everybody's like, would Kyrie give up a huge payday to take $6 million and go play with LeBron again in L.A.? And what they do, and everybody's talking about, is there a Westbrook trade where he gets traded back to the Thunder because they need to take on more salary in their books this year? And it's like a three-team trade, and that's um, Thunder Lakers. I hate how video gamey this sounds, but it's unbelievably close to being a reality. I, so I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I, I, I don't think Katie leaves. Um, KD is in a max deal right now with him. Like he's locked in, but nah, if, nah, Kyrie, if Kyrie's nah, out, he, he's no. stuck. No, nah, I don't think he leaves. I think he'll stay. Um, I, I think, think Kyrie Kyrie's staying. No, nah, I, I think, think Kyrie's staying. I think he'll end First up on the Lakers. I think that'll be cool. If he ends up on the Lakers and Westbrook ends up in OKC, it would just yeah. be ridiculous. I can see It'd this happening. It's disgusting, but like Russell fits what OKC needs right now. Like, well, the, well, the thing. That, the thing that makes no sense though is the Lakers should just they just got off the Luol Deng buyout stuff where they stretched his contract. <laughs> they should just pay Westbrook and stretch his money like at this point, just get him off the books and try Bobby to go after him until he's like 60. Why not? <laughs> can it's a only team, 40 can million. It, no, but can a team like technically do that? Like in their buyout clause with the player, they're like, hey, we'll spread this millies out for like 25 yeah. years oh my they can god do it for what I, it gets negotiated with the agent of how long it goes on for i don't know why people more like they just don't do that it's just like first off i feel like you get so much instant pr if you do that type of deal oh, that like yes yeah, the bobby bonilla yeah pause or whatever they call it i want that i want more MLB. i want more of those i'm uh, let's dedicate next episode to the most ridiculous sports contracts in in like sports history. Oh, I like that. I want to I want to do a little dive on this because I bet there's some insane like even going into like the clauses or like little bylaws or certain like ramifications inside of these contracts that 
I just want to know, like, especially here is one that I, this isn't necessarily like a contract problem more than maybe like a coaching problem, but Tracy McGrady talked about how Tim Duncan wouldn't come to the magic because doc rivers didn't allow spouses Mm -hmm. to fly with the team. And Tim was like, I can't like, I need, you know, family. And team Tracy was just like, bro, you make that fucking exception for a guy like Tim Duncan. But it was just such a weird rule that well, like one of the I, other maybe it didn't like didn't allow him to come. One of the other contracts is um like in Rizzo's contract with the Cubs, he gets a suite anytime they travel on the road. Like it's in his contract, he gets a suite at every hotel. Like it's just required. Like if people get like, you know, all those little things in there. But also something else next pod that we have to talk about that I was thinking we should do. Best and worst broadcasters of all time. Who annoys you the most? Who do you love the most? Okay. I like. I that. think people would enjoy that one too. And then before we wrap this one up, um, we would be remiss not to mention, I mean, the NBA draft just happened. And to touch on it briefly, I mean, we can't start talking about it without saying this. Keegan Murray. Is he the highest drafted Hawkeye ever? Yep, number 13 for the Sacramento Kings. And so I got a little insider knowledge on Give me how it. the Kings picked him. So the Kings, you know, was reporting, you know, they were going to get, you know, they might have traded the, trade the pick or whatever. But um, Vladi or Vlad, whatever his name is, the owner of the Kings, he loves Keaton, like loves him. We're like, it was the ownership decision. You know why? Keaton. You know why? You know why? Because now he's, he sees Keegan and he looks down the hall at Harrison and he goes, your agent's been bending me over <laughs> I for knew so you're long. Go there. I'm just going to go take an eight-year-old younger version of you and trade you for something. <laughs> That's exactly what he saw. He loves the Iowa boys, dude. Dude, dude they, do you think him and Harrison beat in a locker room? No. Iowa State, Iowa. I, no, first off, no. He went. He's from Ames. You know, I know he didn't go there, but, you know, he's an Ames guy. I look at them, their sizes, what they did in college. I think you're a Kings fan now, now that I think about it. I I think I am too, because I, I'm not lying, Sam. They're both 6'8". They're both 215. They were both, both lottery top 10 picks. Both of them were all Americans. Both of them were all conference. They were both MVPs of their tournament. And I mean, Keegan outperformed Harrison did. But Harrison also had a, like an all NBA roster when he was at Carolina, like Reggie Bullock, oh, yeah. Kendall Marshall. Do, does Zeller. Chris Murray make top three after his season with the Hawks next year? No, I don't think he'll be top. Does three. he top Keegan? No, he'll be lottery. I bet because, like I said, he's got the Michael Beasley factor. Where being a lefty, <laughs> dude, that's an X factor. I'm telling <laughs> the left, that's got Beasley be. lefty. There's got to be something to that in basketball where it's just different. And I'm waiting. I saw it in baseball, an MLB draft uh, prospect last week. He could pitch with both hands. There's got to be a player eventually that can shoot with both hands and just breaks every LeBron does. Like consistently uses like shoots with like a lefty form, not like a lefty floater, not like a lefty floater. Like I'm talking, he spins off and fades with a lefty. That Question. breaks basketball. Who was your favorite pick by a team in the draft? The Bulls pick. I don't even know the kid's name. Let me go look it up. But I'm I'm like Terry. Dalen Terry. Yeah. I okay. So obviously I'm being partial. 
He's 6'7", 195. He's going to grow and be like 6'7", 215, 210. Okay. He's going to be beefed. I think he fits like – I saw one person describe him as a 6'7", wing Alex Caruso, where he can't really make his own shot, but he does every little thing well. Definitely a Bulls fan thing, right? That, yeah, I mean – that's Alex Caruso yeah. to a T. The, the guy I thought was, who was the most interesting pick was the Golden State Warriors took um, – they took um, – oh, what's his name? Patrick now? Baldwin? Yeah, Patrick Baldwin um, from Milwaukee, who's going to be like – he was the number one player in his class or top five player in his class. He played awful in college, but he's so skilled – the, the Warriors could just bench him for three years, put him in developmental BSC if he pans out to the talents that everybody thought he could reach as a lottery pick. And then next thing you know, you have a young core of Kaminga, Moses Moody, Wiseman, and him. Like, they'd have a whole another group of all-stars on the rise. Like, it would just be unreal. So for them, they took a risk late in the first round, but it was a really, you know, great high-risk, high-reward type of pick. I was really impressed with them doing that because I think, you know, if, if he hits, he is going to be unreal. Yeah, honestly, being more realistic, though, like I look at the I look at the draft order again, and I wasn't really paying too close. It was close a great to, draft. It, it was. was I draft. wasn't paying too close attention while it happened. I was out, I was out to dinner, but I think the one that really <sighs> interested me. I just stay on top of it. There were two. Uh, Walker Walker Kessler going to the Grizzlies I thought was really intriguing because it means they don't have to be tied to Steven Adams' contract necessarily anymore. Well, or you know the cool fact about Kessler, right? Hmm. He got two double-doubles last year playing for Auburn. It was with blocks and, and it, points? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was ten blocks. Yeah, like that just that allows them to like maybe the Bulls could go make a move for Valanciunas now, you know, and get rid of Vooch. I mean, that doesn't really solve a lot of the problems. Let's get Rudy. It, Why not get Rudy? Yeah, because he makes a ton of money. I've already talked myself out of that. He makes like forty mil, and it's just a ton. You know, it's just a ton. Win one ring. I don't know you if we're, I, I don't know if we're him away, but I think that would be intriguing. I think the one that really the one pick I thought was really cool, the Pistons getting Jaden Ivy. Because Ivy is like a top. I mean, I him and Cunningham yeah. are gonna be him and Cunningham and maybe Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart. I you put the Lucas like, Yeah, you rotate <laughs> them in, you know, every so often. But actually, like they got a tough, that's a tough like athletic lineup. Yeah, I really, I really, I really like there's uh, the Spurs. Let me go to this one. Jeremy Sochin. Jeremy Sochin. Sochin. He's a defensive stud. He's going to be really good for them. He's going to be that guy who's close to a star player, but more of like a star role player in his role. But they need that type of size, speed, youth, whatever. But the guy who was really interesting that the guy is a high risk, high reward type of guy is they drafted 25th out of Notre Dame, Blake Wellesley. And he's everybody was impressed with that pick. Um, he could be a guy who really becomes a dude for that team. But I mean, right now, the Spurs are just full Dang, of youth. He's right now. young. Yeah, they're full of youth. They really, you know, they're in a rebuild. That's what they do. That's what they're doing right now. With or without Pop, they'll get back there, though. I believe. I believe. We'll see. We'll Uh, see. Last name that I have here. 
Nikola Jovic. Yup. Just a yep, goddamn the, got shame. Shame the that the Nuggets didn't take this kid. It would have been awesome, but the Heat got a dude. The, the Heat just – the Heat are the Heat, dude. Like, they just – that's another team Kyrie asked to go to, and they're like, "We don't need you." No, dude, he he's like the imagine him of heat culture. on one team. He's well, the opposite of heat culture. See, Kyrie's <laughs> more about me than about the team, you know? Yeah, definitely way, way, way more. I mean, that guy but, screams me. But before we wrap up, real quick, I wanted to talk about two things with coaching. Yes. The Hornets lost out on Kenny Atkinson because he's like, yeah, I'm going to stay back and be the associate head coach and just win rings with the Warriors. I'm not going to go to Charlotte and get fired after three years. Like what usually happens with those coaches working under Michael Jordan, who's so impatient. And Michael Jordan's like looking around. I could get Mike D'Antoni. I fired Borrego. I messed up there. Should have kept Borrego another year. Who could I hire now? It's like, oh, shit, what about the guy before Borrego? I'll just bring Clifford back because we were great with him. So now they're running Steve Clifford back, which is a very interesting move. I can't believe Michael Jordan's basically saying, I messed up, I should have kept Clifford, is basically what this hire says. They're literally pulling a Mike Brown, where the Cavs brought Mike Brown back after they fired him when they messed up on that firing back in 2010. I'm just waiting for the Bulls to make that decision eventually with, like, Fred Hoiberg, and they're like, look, we shouldn't have fired you, Fred. It's never happening. That is never happening. (laughs) Look what he's doing in Nebraska. No chance. Oh, please. I would give anybody the keys to Nebraska, and if the expectations are win five games. Like, come on. Cut him some slack. I just love love that Nebraska just – all their fans have all these expectations for football, basketball. Just fall flat every year. It's wonderful. It's such a relieving thing for me. Because um, every year I get a little worried about him. And <laughs> there's nothing to worry about. It's great. By November, you know. Yeah. But um, no. Steve Clifford, other- I mean, just can't, can't, can't go back to the retreads. That's one of the one of the rules. You just can't go back to a coach you've already fired. I don't know why they do it. They did it. Bad decision, Mike. But lastly, this past year when we've talked about the Blackhawks, you know, Dead. it's been pretty negative energy. Dead. Murdered. Know? Under a bus. And now. Now we got a new head coach. We got Luke Richardson from the Canadians. Apparently he's a nice guy. Uh, a lot of people have said he is a nice guy. Uh, he's like he's great at NHL DNA. 50 years NHL old. DNA. He played in the NHL for 20 years. Yep. I, I don't know. for a bunch. Coached for 20. I mean, he's literally just been in the NHL his whole life. So like at that point, yeah. shit, what am I going to do? Say he's bad. I like it. Huh? I got nothing. No, he's like he's literally like he, he's perfect. He fits everything we would need as a coach, like somebody that just gets hockey, you know. And I mean, Montreal was over a good under. Team. He over under. He stays in Chicago two years. Over. Okay. Well, I, I will hear him for three or four. I think he'll be here for the opening of the new window after Kane and Taves, and then um, if that isn't established, he's gone. But he'll be here yeah. for, like, the first one, for sure. First, like, couple, the little spurt. Now, I do think, speaking of the Blackhawks again, I think the Brinkett's getting traded this summer. I think he's gone. I think they're going to get a ransom for him. But I think he's gone. Man loves Chicago. I think Strom's gone, too. Um, Kubelik yeah, that... should be gone. Um, Everybody's going to miss Strom's dog videos with Wrigley. Fuck that dog. Fuck Strom. I can't stand. Him. I mean, I've just I've been partial against him for a while. I can't stand him. 
Looks like I could skate faster than him, but yeah, stay tuned for the next. Oh, I'd love pod. to see that. No, I can't skate. Best worst broadcasters, and then the worst or most ridiculous contracts in sports history. I'm excited. Yeah, to, like dig a little. That's gonna be a great one. one. That's gonna yeah. be great. I'm excited, but like always, guys, not the same time, same place. We'll see you guys later.